Hello, good evening, and welcome. I'm Simon Bestwick. And I'm Gemma Files, and this, of course, is No Darkness But Ours. Yep. Okay, so we were gonna so we were gonna talk a bit about hauntology That's on right. stuff generally. In a lot of ways, when we're talking about hauntology uh, from the point of view of film and uh, storytelling, um, yeah, storytelling, I guess, you know, when yeah. we're talking about it from the point of view of films and books and short stories and stuff like that, um, what and, and TV shows, um, what we're talking about is uh, not so much the original idea of, um, what is it, the, the ghosts of, uh, the ghosts of futures past, Yes. Ghosts of like a of like past imaginings of what the future would be like. Yes. Yeah, and more like the idea of a beautiful reconstruction of a particular moment in time, of a particular yeah. moment in um, of of a particular moment in in culture. Um, yeah, I think you can see this in. I mean, it's very visible in i mean will mclean's the apparition phase yes a very good That's... education of that time and as i'm as someone who's of that same generation and of much that same background i grew up reading those books like the Osborne guide to the supernatural world and there's one book of ghosts and you know it so i could i it, i was taking it for granted that ghosts uh the paranormal um all these things were a part of the world in yes. which they were not necessarily you know, uh, not necessarily in terms of meaning all the whole, you know, Christian or Catholic, whatever cosmology is true, but in the sense that we now that, you know, we're, not, we're on this thing where science blurs into other things and where we're considering these things not as necessarily religious phenomena, but as but as but as phenomena which are as real as concrete in their way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the it's whole, just comprehending the whole idea of um, like being able to scientifically investigate parapsychology um yeah. matters parapsychological and um i think probably every uh every country that went through that time period has their own version of this you know um it could be watching unsolved mysteries it could be you know uh having people talk about um bigfoot uh, yeah. and watching, you know, documentaries about Bigfoot hunters. Um, it yes. could be, you know, uh, up here, um, there's an interesting thing, uh, which is the Philip experiment, which, um, I, which I remember hearing about, um, I'd say probably about 10 years after it actually happened, but, um, there, there was a group that decided to create a ghost. Um, okay. Yeah, like and a, a group in Toronto that decided to create a ghost, and they essentially were going to build a a haunting tulpa um, uh, that they called Philip. And uh, interestingly, of course, this kind of feeds into the apparition phase, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. But um, but yeah, I mean. It's it's a weirdly specifically Canadian thing, and yet, you yes, know, it is part of these other. Yeah, there's there's a real overlap between um, 
the the British cultural flourishing of this thing and the Canadian cultural flourishing of this thing, because yeah. during that time period, Canada was taking their cultural cues specifically from Europe. Yeah. Most specifically for Britain. All of these things, kind of all of the, yeah, even the ones which are nominally, you know, things like which aren't nominally related to um, what we'd call numinous concepts, things like, you know, yeah. cryptozoological stuff like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster or Ogopogo or Champ, you know, the Lake Lake Monster, stuff like that. All oh, uh, or, or stuff like Bridie Murphy, right? The Bridie Murphy yeah. event. Um, uh, or um, the, uh, uh, the, oh my God, the Satanic Panic um, yeah. and the idea of retrieved memories yes you know all of these things kind of coalesce to create a kind of an idea of numinousness an idea yes. and maybe maybe it was a reaction against um you know sort of pure kind of rationalism or pure kind of or, or the way that you know that, secu that secularizing everything had kind of thrown out a lot of possibly thrown that's right out, thrown, a sense of throwing out babies with bath water where it's like you know We've thrown out. You see, so what? What is there now? Where is morality? Where is purpose? Where is where are all these things? So this kind of pseudo scientific numinalism. Yeah. It was uh, kind of trying to construct a, a new cosmology, mm -hmm. almost, where you know you had this sense of there are still there's still weird shit we don't wholly understand, but can hope to. But there is still this thing where we yeah you know, we do where we think we where you know the, the, where there's still a possibility that we do in some way go on when our bodies die that there is you know more. I, I remember there was a book when i was um a, actually a pretty pretty young kid like around mm, seven uh that i that i ran across called we never die at a garage sale <laughs> and it was that idea of being reborn again and again and yeah. um you know uh and it certainly made it seem as though reincarnation wasn't just you know or past lives sort of yeah. hypnotic yeah. was like an established fact um whereas you know there's this i think there's been other things offered i mean maybe and maybe that's an element of that moment and that's part of that moment that that i think so much this tries to capture because what we have what we what you know what we seem to have now is this is where that's largely rejected and we're left with an increasingly fucked and hopeless kind of yeah kind of world with no with no exit whereas before the future might be insane and, and, and you know that that cosmology if you want to call it that was was terrifying as well because it was full of things like a satanic panic of stranger danger of uh and you know and all the other fears like the, 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 the uh, through time folds the, stone the tape theory sand you know there's that old joke yeah. you know i really thought that the bermuda triangle and quicksand were going to play a much bigger yes, <laughs> than they have had kind of thing the philadelphia experiment yeah, yeah there's there's possibility yes. there are possibilities in that there's unknown stuff and and the unknown is both in this context is both frightening but also right but also full of hope it's right yeah, with kind of awesome and I, I, I think we do we do see some um, intrusions from that impulse even today. Yeah. Um, you know, creepypasta, um, yeah. mimetic, mimetic storytelling, uh, developing, um, you know, sort of sort of web tulpas, I guess, 
yeah. arising from, you know, um, or or uh, matrix theory also, you know, like fold in the matrix theory. Um, I want to believe that there, we all want to, I think part of almost all of us, maybe even with the possible exception of people like Richard Dawkins or perhaps deep down even in him, you know, there's a part of us that wants to believe there is more than this. I think somebody once said, didn't they, that the foundational concept of any of every religion is there is more to life than this. That's there right. Is more than, there is more than what you see. Yeah, and the- exactly. And, you know, even the fact that we are constantly barraged inside of our meat suits and our, you know, and our bone jackets, we're constantly barraged with, you know, chemical messages and electrical messages from parts of ourselves that we cannot see. Yeah. You know, and hormonal messages from parts of ourselves oh, yeah, that we yeah. cannot see, you know. It's like, where where do dreams come from? You know, where does love come from? You know, show me what show me love on a map. <laughs> you know, it's Just like, a ghost watch, isn't it? That's one of the Yeah, exactly. Yes. I mean, in love terms in the of lab. Yeah. Yes. I mean, uh, a very one very, very hauntological uh creator is Matthew Harness. Um Yes. Um and you can see that even you can see that in in you know dark place and in man to man with dean learner has got a lot of elements of that if you haven't seen that so it's uh, i'm not sure if he's as fond of it but i've always been very fond of that show um he has dean learner who's played by richard al Hardy, who i think appears in in dark place as a sort of very dodgy chat show host and wholeness is a different guest each week yes. um, he's one as a folk musician called merriman weir and the the, the, <laughs> oh, the, the, video, the video for his his lost nineteenth, lost classic folk song from the seventies, "Gallows Man," uh, has to be seen to. It really has. It's, you find it, you may find yourself. I mean, get the day after as well. Um, but um, as well as, of course, I mean, there's, there's Possum, which is spectacular. But exactly. Because there's also a couple of shorter films like "A Gun for George" and "The Snipist," which are very, very about. I mean, the, the, the a Gun for George is essentially, you know, a the story of a this pulp fiction writer who has written a series of incredibly pulpy novels called The Reprisalizer about this guy <laughs> wreaking vengeance in, like, Thanet, in this, like, suburb, you know, gro- slightly grotty suburb of in Kent uh, with, like, a, a couple of revolvers um, and driving around in an Austin Allegro, which is one of the most violent pieces about as violently... 1970s british a car not to mention shit a car as you could as you could wish for uh but it's like he's, he's turned this into like about 90 of these pulp books avenging avenging as somebody puts out the same crime every time in each occasion and it's kind of like you know there was a part of me that actually fantasized about writing novels about like this when i was like 13 or 14 years old uh and i might have if I'd had the application to actually churn that shit out, it might have actually got published by some of the by someone like you know Starbucks or or one of those yeah. one of those outlets that uh, were just very very fond of kind of gory pulp fiction. Um, but a gun for George is like, and, and, and the setting of it, the parts of uh, a Thanos or whatever that it's shot in are very have a very nineteen seventies look to them. They have a lot. Of, there's a lot of brutalist architecture. There's a lot of there's very and I think this is very true of Possum as well. You know, although it's filmed in the present day, it's not, and it's not, it's not a period piece. It's not deliberately set in the 1970s. But yeah. there is very little you can see there that wouldn't, that would not fit into the 1970s as a setting. 
I think there's, there's a, a there's a particular type of architecture that you can find in and around um, uh, bits of uh, Montreal, Quebec City, um, Toronto, obviously, um, but also just parts of Ottawa as well, which uh, I call Cronenbergian architecture. Because, <laughs> you know, you look at it and you're like, oh, it's Cronenberg build, building. OK, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just goes with that whole that whole sort of thing. Um, yeah, particularly the stuff that we shot in the early 80s, early to mid 80s and the late 1970s. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember going to the uh, to the Science Center um, here in Toronto and watching a screening of uh, one of his earliest films, Stereo. Uh, and it was like being inside a Cronenberg <laughs> inside a Cronenberg building watching Cronenberg, um, <laughs> you know, which was entirely shot inside a building exactly like the Science Center. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the other um, short film that um, that Hollis made, The Snipest, is something that I think sees that goes into patches into a particularly British paranoia of the late seventies and the early eighties, which was of rabies. Um, there were um, there were Britain was one of the very few countries which had uh, European countries which hadn't had a recorded case of that disease in a very long time. And there was a great you you I remember going to the local swimming baths when I was a kid, and there was this big poster of this terrified looking little girl with this foaming at this huge foam at the mouth dog leaping at it like, ah! and it's don't smuggle death you know smuggling pets could bring rabies into britain rabies is a killer and then you'd see a few posters like that there's another one which had this huge skull grinning at you and smuggling pets could bring rabies into and this tagline rabies is a killer and what's you know, the was, what's the um ah god the the fake um british sort of folk horror scar folk right yes yes it's obsessed with rabies right yeah that is and that's a very that was a very and it was a very real obsession this fear that you know if it got into the country and it spread you know um and, and you know i i you know pets would be you'd have to get your know, pets would be kept indoors any dog outside without a leash would be shot on site and of course i think um I think the actual, you know, I don't think even the worst kind of projected imaginings were anything, you know, were quite, were quite along the lines of something like 28 days later. But I think yeah. that's where some of our fevered imaginations as kids would have gone. And Matthew, and the snipest is set in a, in a world where some, in a Britain where something like that has happened. And you, he's a, you basically got a sniper in place and his, and his, his brief is to watch for anything of any creature, or anyone that's been infected and to, to kill it. Right. Um, it's a very, it's a very, it's a very weird and strange and effective uh, little film. I think it's about half an hour. Mm. Um, John Hurt provides, uh, provides some voice talent. He's this sort of like this <laughs> voice coming out of a speaker for the main uh, for the main character, the actual snipist of the title. Um, but again, it's it's. So, I mean, you know, things are bad when John Hurt is your internal voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> John Hurt is narrating your life. <laughs> yeah, he's like the sort of control, you the controller or whatever who's who's giving you giving him the orders kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, it still it still applies. But yeah, it's it's got a very seventies <laughs> sort of feel. But actually, again, it's a very British um, paranoia of that time, very specific, I think, 
to yeah. uh, Britain, but I think every country will have its own little curfews, its own little idiosyncrasies of that uh, of yeah. that area. This just happens to be the one we have in the we have in the UK. Absolutely. Uh, so, like yeah. super early tech and super early computer graphics and um, those big blown up porous looking black and white um photos of things yeah. <laughs> you know where you go in so close it's like a fucking pointless painting and you're like what is that and then you come a little further out and you're like oh no you know um there's something that's you know and and i don't know whether it um translates to younger people i think it does though because you know um I know for myself, because I lived through that time period, and you did too, yeah. um, that there is something that is weirdly, you know, it's like, it's scary in a way that nothing else is, but it's also sort of homely in a way that nothing else is, that it's, it's sort of comforting in a way that nothing else is, because it reminds you of being a child. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in in, in immediate terms, um, you know, my immediate sort of physical environment was pretty was pretty cozy. It was pretty safe. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I had a very hellish time at school with bullying and stuff. But in terms sure. of that, I had you know pretty a pretty you know a stable home environment with well, two loving parents and you know sort of you know pretty not luxurious, but certainly you know there was you know you weren't going to bed hungry, you weren't cold in the winter. Um, you know that was all but it was a very it was also quite a suburban existence where um things seemed pretty boring i suppose in a lot of ways certainly yeah. uh, to what you know you kind of read about so i mean is it there's that ballard story running wild where the kids you have these kids who've been raised in this little sort of um um you know modern modern kind of sub modern urban village where everything is kind of Sort of, sort of a gated society. Yes, that's it. A gated, a gated community, and everything is not only. I mean, the the parents, the, the parents got all kind of like helicopter parents. So you know, you'll get something coming up on your computer saying, you know, you did thirty-seven lengths at the pool today. Well done, Jeremy. Which is kind of meant as positive reinforcement, but it's also kind of creepy and yeah. uh, very intrusive. <laughs> But it's also because the parents have done everything they could to eradicate any kind of negative experience in their children's mm. lives. They've effectively created a form of sensory deprivation for them. Mm. Because there's no, everything is, there's a kind of flatness to their lives because. Yeah, they and, can, and therefore the, uh, and therefore the threats um, or, or the, the fascinations even. There's, there's a kind of threat and a fascination in thinking about the big issues. You know, it's like everything's everything's great, everything's fine, everything's wonderful, everything's la la la. You know, but one day I'm gonna die. You yes. Know? Um, except for the, you know, like anything small that goes wrong reminds you of the biggest stuff that can go wrong. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's not. I mean, it's not even as huge as like finding a dead cat in the road or something like that and going, yeah. whoa, what? Oh my God! It's more like just the concept. Yes, yeah. you know, it's like ah, next year will be great, and the year after that will be great, and the year after that will be great, and then oh my God, one day I'm gonna die. Yeah. One day I won't be here. Things will keep getting better until suddenly they don't. 
exactly. It's the illusion yeah. to get that illusion of control and realizing that no, that's. And I think maybe as well, there's a part of us that kind of looks. We're looking for looking for trouble, or we're looking for. We're looking for, you know, what is the, what's the, what's the danger? What's the threat? What's the, and of course, if you, if you create a, a fairly comfortable environment where you don't have to worry about those media tissues, you know, your brain kind of goes looking for the, uh, the, the, yeah. the, 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 the wider, more existential shit, like, uh, you know. <laughs> and, and mystery also, you know, it's like, yeah. um, uh, you know, the, the whole uncanny valley thing, um, that, during the day you love your toys and at night you fear them yeah <laughs> they're sort of like people but they're sort of not <laughs> well i've always liked that idea the existence of the uncanny valley you know implies that at some point in our in our history there were creatures that there was something that looked human but not quite that wasn't quite um we were um, we were scared of it um could have been it could I mean, it could have been other hominin could yes. be a very reaction to other hominid species. It doesn't. This doesn't quite fit the the template. So yeah, exactly. It, you know, like like the ugly little boy, which again was something that I saw at the uh, that at the uh, um, the science center uh, was an adaptation of Bradbury's The Ugly Little Boy. Uh, you know, who is a um, uh, a Neanderthal uh, kid that uh, has been picked up and sort of brought through time into this pocket. Um, and uh, they're supposed to simply, um, much like, you know, catch and, uh, catch and release with any other species, they're supposed to just take his blood and measure his skull and, you know, um, yes. and, and send him back. But um, the woman who uh, is doing all this becomes more and more convinced that if they send him back, it's entirely possible that he's just going to die because he's like seven and his his parents have probably wandered away. They probably think he was, you know, <laughs> he was like eaten by something. <laughs> you know? And and she ends up, you know, like hugging him as the uh, as the time machine, you know, goes off and gets sent back to the Ice Age. Um, and, you know, uh, and I, yeah, I remember crying a lot at that, um, but it's true that if you actually saw a Neanderthal, you'd be horrified because <laughs> you would just, and, and the Neanderthal would also be horrified. Yeah. <laughs> you'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> we do, there is evidence that the Neanderthals interbred yeah. with yeah. I, I think it took a little while. I think it took a little, you know, it's like, oh, there's people. <laughs> but it kind of obviously went to some time for, ah, these are, they are demons yeah. too. Yeah. Hello. Although yes. quite possibly there was like oh, an... Lumpy man, lumpy man. I, I hear you are really good at making things. Well, there could have been, a, there could have been like a, 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 you know, a Cro-Magnon version of Gemma Files there who was... Yeah, uh, true. Like, it's a monster went away and, 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 and this was like, Hmm. I'm going to fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> or I, I'm at least going to think about how you could fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that cartoon again. I, I don't know. I, you know, it's like hmm. in the brain, fine. In the world, maybe not. <laughs> Obviously, in the world, at least some of the yeah. pro and Neanderthals clearly decided to do the old bow chicka bow wow. Um, so we did. I just remember that. Uh, I saw that um, uh, cartoon that. 
uh, I, I often associate with you. I think maybe you, I first saw it from you. Um, it was like a mermaid playing a song on a rock, and somebody, some some pirate captain leans over and says, yeah. "Can you, uh, can you? I don't like that thing you do. Can you do something else instead?" And just goes, "I will fucking increase the fucking thing." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, that's Kate Beaton. I will increase the fucking thing. <laughs> it's like oh, you don't like it, huh? Fuck you. Or you yes. rather don't. Fuck <laughs> the Neanderthal instead. <laughs> I would make the obvious jokes about Trump supporters, but that's probably a bit of an insult to Neanderthals. <laughs> it's it's true. Um, yeah. I, I I did see somebody um, you know, sort of comment uh, something about um something about uh, about dogs or whatever, and I, I forget what the context was, but they suggested yeah. Suella Braverman that the Home Secretary might be one of them, and uh, I said that that's very, very insulting to dogs. dogs. Um, I'm pretty sure that Braverman's only involvement with canines is to try and try to turn their puppies into a coat, you know. <laughs> I mean, so well, Cruella, you know. <laughs> so why not? I mean, did you saw this? There's that thing of the the trigger warning that's being included with um, screenings of 101 Dalmatians, you know, contain smoking. I mean, that's there's true. Okay. Yes, you know, making dogs into a coat, that's one thing. But, you, know. <laughs> you know, someone's smoking, that's, that's the, that's yeah. the, Heteronormativity, weird fashion, um, skinning puppies and smoking. Yes, yes. But, but back to hauntology. Back to <laughs> hauntology. Quite, it turns up an awful lot of those things. Um, I mean, yeah, smoking. Um, I, I, do th I do think that also, you know, looking for threat, looking for, um, you know, the realization that under what appears to be <laughs> the green field, the green field coming off like a lid, right? Under, you know, under normalcy is bugs, 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 bugs. Yeah, so, that's more blue, you know, yeah, blue, blue velvet. Uh, yeah, the... yeah, or um, did, did you ever see, <laughs> do you remember Sprockets on uh, SNL? Um, no, on Saturday Night Live, there was this thing, um, Dita from Sprockets. And uh, it, it was like this weird sort of um, German talk show. And <laughs> one time uh, <laughs> with this extremely, you know, sort of um, new wave looking dude who would have, you know, various uh, friends of his on and they would all be strange artists. You know, and, and one of them was um, Kyle MacLachlan. <laughs> so, so Kyle MacLachlan is, comes on and is like, yes, this is my friend, you know, Helmut or whatever. You know, it's like, Helmut, what do you have for us today? Well, I have, of course, Dieter. Uh, here is a photograph that I took of a, of a dead hobo in the park, a dead vamp <laughs> in the park. As one finds often, but <laughs> when one turns him over, you see ants, 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 ants. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I never saw that. That sounds brilliant. Yes, sounds absolutely. And and you know, and, and and it's a lot like that. It's like under the green fields lid is ants, is you know, dead things, it's yeah. you know, the scissor man, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, there's there's just always this sense that things are not as good as you think they are. Things are not as comfortable as you think they are. Um, and, haunt and hauntological horror just really 
you know, sticks its sticks its thumb into the eye of that idea and just starts going like this. And there's the dual the job. There is the, as you said, there's the comforting element of it. Mm -hmm. um, for people of our generation, it's an evocation of childhood and of of stuff of a uh, time of a, what was first put for many of us personally, at least not all of us, but for at least for many of us, was at least a fairly comfortable and safe time in many respects. There were there was a sense of a world outside being much more complex than we realised, but in ways that were cool and That's interesting right. and exciting as well as scary. Whereas now they're just depressing and scary. Yeah. Um, and uh, but it's, again, there's, there's the, 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 again, there's the, the idea of the complexity of it all was um, and, the, and, the, and the weird and the other weird and the weird stuff we didn't understand was actually exciting because, you know, there are creatures out there like Bigfoot. There are there could be yeah. a fucking Seasaur in Loch Ness. There could be, you know, the, you know, all these kind of fantastic things waiting to be discovered and seen. And that's kind of. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's both frightening and enthralling. And there's that double edgedness. So. We will, we will be back next time and to lower the tone of the conversation again and uh, <laughs> more interesting stuff to talk shit about. Um, but until then, I have been Simon Bestrick. I have been Gemma Files, and this, of course, has been No Darkness, Darkness. But Ours. Oh.